growing now. And she's changing. She said, because for the first time in my life, I'm allowing God to deal with the brokenness inside of me. And she said, and God changing and fixing and rewiring what's broken inside of me? She said, it is changing the outside of me. But she said, all those times people would look at the outside and say, hey, you look good and everything. But she goes, I was broke. We do the same things. Man's always trying to fix the outside. We're always trying to fix the number. We're always trying to fix the look. We're trying to do all these things. And God's saying, you're broke. You're broke. Last night, Pam and I were meeting with some people who were going through a premarital course with us. And one of the things I said is, Adam and Eve handed us down an awful gift. And what was that? Sin. Brokenness. And it's in us. And we keep trying to solve it out here. And we can't. We can't solve it. Just like my friend couldn't sol solve it. Only God can give meaningful change. See, I can show a kind act, but it doesn't mean I have kindness. I can be, uh, I can be in a situation and not think racist thoughts, but it doesn't mean I'm not racist. It doesn't mean that I don't have things in me that aren't right. I can't change those. Only God can change those. And there's times where I think God's saying, Eric, you keep trying to fix yourself, and I'm telling you, you can't. Only I can fix you. Because quite frankly, Eric, only I totally understand what's wrong, and only I know how to fix it. No one else can. It doesn't mean that there aren't good things that can help us and steer us along the way, but only he can change this. Let's keep going through for the road number two. It's the time up on the mountain that allows us to withstand the challenges that lie down low. It's the time up on the mountain that allows us to withstand the challenges that are down low. So here's Peter, James, and John, and they're coming down off the mountain. And <laughs> is that some kind of experience? How would you like to experience that? And then have Jesus tell you, don't tell anyone. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine that? Lee, can you imagine coming home from work and Sherry's going, oh my gosh, Lee, you're so exuberant, you're so happy. What happened? It was absolutely spectacular, amazing God thing. And I can't tell you, maybe in about, I don't know, a year. And Sherry's going, well, what is that? Well, they come down off the mountain, and boy, does reality ever hit. How many people, when you get back from vacation and you turn your computer on and you've got 6,000 emails? That feeling, right? Verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around him and the scribes disputing with them. Disputing. Fighting. People say, oh, you know, the biggest enemy is the Romans. No, 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 there's just no Romans mentioned here. Who's fighting? The religious rulers are fighting with Jesus' disciples, arguing back and forth. And one of the things I'm going to tell you about religion Religion doesn't care about people. Relationships are what count. They really do. And how do I know that? Well, let's see what's going on. Verse 15, immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him and greeted him. 
Why? Because I'm telling you, I think after a moment like that, Jesus got to really tie his clothes up tight. Why? Because glory would just come pouncing through. And it's just, and I think after an experience like that, Jesus is coming down and he, listen, he's your father. That's why we run to him. That's why people seek him. Do you remember in John when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden? They come to Jesus, they come to the disciples, and Jesus asks a question. Who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. And what did Jesus say? I am he. And what did they do? It said they fell to the ground. Because in the presence of holiness, and the presence of a great God, this is what happens. And Jesus comes down off this mountain, and I think people look at him and they go, I don't even totally understand what's going on, but I want to be near him. I want to just sit near. I want to be near him. I want to just be right up close to him. Our dog worships the ground that Pam walks on. And Pam can be laying, and he can't get close enough. Pam will fall asleep, the dog will be on top, and his nose is literally right touching her face because he literally worships her. I think it's because she is the goddess of the kitchen and creates yummy manifestations that draw his interest. But they just want to be near Jesus, and they draw near him, and they marvel. And then I love, look at the teacher. He's, he's our Lord, he's our God, he's our teacher, too, because look what he says. What are you discussing? Jesus asks questions that he already knows the answers, but he asks them because the biggest thing Jesus wants us to do is be real. When he was with, in the garden in Adam and Eve and sin, what did he do? Hey, where are you guys? I can't find you. Have you hidden yourselves? Jesus comes out, hey, what's going on here? Everybody's kind of red in the face. Looks like there's some stress. What's happening? And here's how you know that religion doesn't care about people. Did the Pharisees answer? Did the scribes answer? No. Did the disciples say anything? Nope. Everyone's quiet. But then the truth comes out. Then one in the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and he becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, cast it out, but they could not. You know what I think sometimes Jesus might have this thought? Wouldn't it have been awesome for Jesus to come down off the mountain and see his disciples and the scribes and the Pharisees and all the religious rulers down on their knees praying and asking God for deliverance of this young child? Wouldn't have that been inspiring? Instead, comes down. This is what I find. This is what I got. You wonder if Peter tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, uh, 
you want to go back up there and see what Elijah and Moses are doing? Because that was a lot more exciting than this. What does Jesus say? Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Jesus doesn't go, okay, first off, let's talk about the differences. Let's get the scribes over here, the disciples over here, and we're going to have a discussion, and we're going to talk about having unity here. All of you are going to Restoration Farm this weekend. That's it. You're going to work through these problems. No, Jesus goes, you know what, guys? I'll talk with you later. I understand what's in your hearts, but right now there's someone suffering. And what did I do? I came here to seek and save what? The lost. So bring him to me. Then they brought him, brought him to him. And it says, uh, when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground, and he wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Listen, folks, if there's anything that you take away from today, it's this. Whatever you're going through in life, whatever decision you're trying to make, Hold it up to the light of Christ. And he will tell you. He will show you. He will guide you. You're not sure if something's right? Hold it up to Jesus. Something doesn't seem right in your soul? That's maybe the Holy Spirit telling you something? Say, hey, Lord, what do I think? And let the light of Christ shine on it. Because evil can't stand light. And when this demon all of a sudden they get brought before him, and I think the demon goes, I know who he is. I know who he is. And he starts reacting and going crazy. What? Because he can't do anything. He can't do anything. So then they brought him to him, and when they saw him, he immediately the spirit convulsed him. He fell on the ground and wild, foaming at the mouth. Let me tell you something. Satan is powerful, and he will shake you. He will shake you. And if you've been a believer at any time, you've seen things or witnessed things in your life, you think, this is just flat-out evil. And I've been in situations in my life where I've seen things where literally I think, oh my gosh, that, that's just wickedness. So he asked his father, saying, how long has this been happening to him? Now, now, can you imagine this situation? This kid is on the ground going crazy. Everyone's probably screaming and scared. And Jesus turns and goes, well, how long has this been going on? He already knows the answer. But in the answer, you're going to get revealed of what's going on in this man. He says, from childhood... And often he has thrown him both into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can do anything. Can you imagine raising this child at any moment thinking that demon could seize him and kill him? You know the other thing is? I don't know what happened with this kid after this, but I know this. I think this kid was dangerous. I think he was dangerous to Satan. 
I think that God was going to do something in his life, and I think Satan went, we do not want this kid in the game. So I'm going to do whatever I can to throw him off the track. Because guess what? Satan does the same things today. You can be like, oh, you know what? My mother was a Christian. My grandmother was a Christian. My great-great-grandparent, my great-grandparent. It's one generation from extinction. All he's got to do is just steer it a little bit off course, and he can take the legacy of Christ out of a family. He can do that. And I think he's going, I'm going to fight for this kid. And I think he's going to fight for this kid because this kid could be potentially damaging. And what is this father says? This has been going on since he was a child. It's breaking my heart. I don't know what to do. I brought him to his disciples and it didn't work. And I heard all these things that these guys could do and it's not working. And then he says this. But if you can do anything, have compassion. Have you ever seen someone who's suffering who just wants compassion? And he says, just please, if, if you care, if you love, if you can, please. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Jesus says, listen, you know, this is about faith. Now, I want you to understand that I think Jesus is having this conversation for two reasons. One, for this man. Two, because who's listening? The disciples. He says, hey, if you believe, what do you believe? And I'm going to tell you that Mark 9, 24 is the most powerful verse in the Bible that is not spoken by Jesus. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. How many of you believe but got questions? How many of you say, yeah, I know the Lord sits on the throne. I know he forgives me. Woo! What about this? What about that? What about the way I was treated? What about what's going on in our world? What about this broken relationship here? What about this heartache here? All these things. And this father says, listen, I believe, but Lord, I have unbelief in me too. Let's make this hit home. It's the time up on the mountain that allows you to withstand the challenges that lie down low. We often talk about nourishing our walk with the Lord. It's vital. Why? Because we don't know what's ahead. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think that the importance of your spiritual walk with the Lord today is vital for today and tomorrow? I know so many believers that they'll go through a hardship and they're almost stunned, like, oh, I can't believe I'm going through this. But the reality is, do you read the Bible? You go, well, I don't know. These guys went through a lot of stuff. Why should we not expect it? Stuff happens. Hardships happen. Decisions. Things we have to do. Some of them are tough. Maybe some of them are just routine. But there's pressure. There's hardship. There's valleys. It just happens. They come. And as our walk 
ready for the future? Is your marriage equipped for the future? Is your walk with the Lord equipped for what the next path that is laid out in front of you? You know, I'm in my early 50s. And all of a sudden, the other day I had this realization. I'm the youngest of four. You know, my siblings are starting to look a little more senior citizenly. And I'm going to tell you something. He'll probably watch this video and be like, oh, that was dark. But I started thinking, I wonder how long Brian's going to live. And I've never thought that before. And then I thought, well, but you know what? He takes good care of himself. He just posted pictures and he was running his first 5K and he ran it really well and he looks good. But then I go, I don't know. Lots of people who look good and still stuff happens. A friend of mine always used to joke around. He goes, Eric, you can look great. You still can get run over by a bus. It's true. Mountaintop experiences, what do they look like? Well, I'm going to tell you, you can't create a mountaintop experience. I can't just say all of a sudden, hey, all right, right now, everyone close your eyes, we're going to have this super holy moment. I can't make that happen. But I'm going to tell you this, being, cons- being committed consistently to reading God's word, every now and then he will show up in a radical way. Investing in others And in that process, God will reveal or change some things in you. God shows up. Yesterday, Pam and I are walking around outside. It was like 600 degrees below zero. But Pam said some things that I had never thought of about our relationship. And I thought, hmm, it really changes some things. I have a new frame of reference. I'm trying to equip for the future in worship. All these things we can do to nourish our walk with the Lord, all these things you can do that we can invite the Lord to say, hey, listen, Lord, if you want to have a mountaintop experience, I'm going to be in your word. Lord, if you want to have a mountaintop experience, I'll worship. Lord, if you want to have a mountaintop experience, I'll communicate and I'll commune and I'll fellowship with other believers so that if you want to move, I just want you to know I'm ready. I'm ready. Mountaintop experiences. We need to have them. We need to be open to them. We need to be looking for them. Why? Because there's a lot of valleys. There's a lot of hardship. There's a lot of struggle. There's a lot of questions. Pursue mountaintop experiences because the waves of trouble can come at any time from any direction. How many of you have had a struggle come upon you? You're like, whoa, what just happened? How did this go come about? It's just insane. But let's finish this up because this is beautiful. Look at Mark 9, verse 23. Three for the road, number three. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Let's finish this up. So again, Jesus says to him, if you can believe, all things are possible for him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out in tears and said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. 
when Jesus saw that the people were running together, he doesn't, Jesus is not trying to create a publicity scene. He rebuked the unclean spirit and said, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Why? Because he belongs to me. That's my son. That's my child. And quit messing around with my kids. How many moms feel like they could pick up a car and chuck it if somebody messes with their kids? Right? I always tell people, they think that I'm like, oh, when you go to soccer games, you must be insane. Eh, no, no. I just sit next to Captain Insano. <laughs> Chase gets fouled in a game. I don't think the kid needs to worry about, like, you know, somebody getting after him. I think he's got to be worried about somebody chasing him in the parking lot. Because moms are always bears. And they're cuddly and fun, but boy, they can seriously mess you up. And Jesus says, stop messing with my kid. I got a plan for this young man. And guess what? I know you know it. And you don't have power over him anymore. He's mine. Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became like one dead. So that many said, he is dead. Now here's what the reality is. Maybe he was dead. I don't know. In John 10.10, Jesus clearly says the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give life and life to the fullest. So I don't know if this was the demon's last hurrah. I don't know if he did kill the kid. I don't know what happened. But all I'm saying is people looked at him and went, he is dead. But I am telling you this, God can come into situations that seem totally dead and somehow make it work, and I don't know how he does it. God can bring peace between people that you never thought he could. God can bring peace in our world like you never thought he could. All of these things. But listen to what Jesus did. But Jesus took him by the hand, and he lifted him up, and he arose. And guys, I can't help but think that when Jesus gives these kids, this kid was probably a young teenager at this point, and gives them back to his parents, do you know the joy in those parents? You ever see a kid who goes through a serious health thing? And then a parent stands up and says he's cancer-free. Look on their face. There's joy. And I'm going to tell you something. This father probably just about choked his son out with the hug he gave him. Right? He grabbed a hold of him, he held him, and he said, you're back. You're back. And you're never going to go back to that. Why? Because when Jesus transforms... It's not like, hey, listen, this will last for the next six to eight years, and then after that, who knows? No. Transform. And when they had come back to the house, the disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. 
You know, in Mark 6, it said that Jesus, so some people right away will go, oh, wait a minute, Eric, in Mark 6, Jesus said he gave them authority over evil spirits. So why couldn't they cast them out? But what did Jesus say to the man just a few minutes ago? If you believe. Everything is possible if you believe. So what's Jesus saying to the disciples? You lack faith. I told you I would give you the ability, but you got to believe. You got to believe the title that you said about me. You said I'm the Christ. Do you really believe that? Because if you believe that, then you can cast the demon out. But maybe Jesus is saying, hey guys, you know, I pray, I fast. Do you guys? See, guys, here's the thing. You know that I can do it, and you watch what I do. How come you don't do what I do? You want to do miracles, but you don't want to get up early in the morning and pray. You want to do miracles, but you don't want to come before the Father. You know, a friend of me one time said to me, and I think this is a good point. You know, last week we talked about take up your cross and follow Christ, and what does our cross look like? A friend of mine one time said, you know what, Eric? He said, I'm going to add to that. And he goes, I know a lot of people will criticize me, but you know, sometimes I think God says, hey, Eric, I want you to kick, pick up the cross I designed for you and carry it. But he said, you know, if you think about it, Jesus didn't just carry his cross, he carried all of ours. So he said, the question is in ministry, are, do you love enough, are you committed enough that you're willing to carry someone else's cross until they're smart enough to carry it themselves? He said, Eric, what's your prayer life like? Do you come before the throne to fight on others' behalf? And I'll tell you what, I, I literally couldn't even say anything. Because I don't know that I come before the throne to fight for others, even when they won't. See, that's hard. That's hard. You know, if Paul Hogate said to me, hey, Eric, will you pray for this? Hey, we're brothers in Christ. Paul, man, I'm going to pray for you. But if Paul knows nothing about Christ, he makes fun of me for the fact that I do know Christ, am I willing to fight at the throne for you? I don't know. Human nature goes, well, I don't know about that one. That's tough. It's easy to pray for those we love. What about those who are maybe not real lovable? Anybody got those people in their life? It's just weird that me and Ted were the only two people that raised our hands, but Ted, thanks for being with me on that one. We all have that. This demon had a stronghold on this child for years. For years. There's things that have a stronghold on us. Every one of us probably has things in our life that have had a stronghold on us for years. Maybe some serious prayer and fasting is needed to loosen that grip. And I'm going to tell you something. It's not Satan's grip, but some of us get in such dysfunction that we actually cling to the dysfunction. And we don't want to let it go. Because it's almost like a security thing. Maybe we need to pray and fast. Let's make this hit home. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. What did we see today? 
When Jesus was transfigured with the disciples, we saw just a little of his glory. And when a moment passed, he was still there. When a father, a desperate father, standing in a crowd, and his son looked as if he was dead, Jesus was there. Jesus is in our mountaintop moments. He's also in the valleys. He's always there. I want to cultivate a relationship with him and as many mountaintop experiences as I can so that when I'm in the valley, I will recognize him. You know, I watch a lot of war movies and different things like that, and I love ones that depict and seem really accurate. My father used to tell me a lot of things. And a lot of times in war, commanders who are leading young soldiers, often who are trained but still scared, it's a whole different thing when there's fake explosions versus live gunfire flying over your head. And a lot of times these commanders will go, listen, hear my voice. You stay with me and you'll live. So follow my voice. And they'll lead these soldiers, and stuff will be going on all around them, and all they hear, follow me, follow me, follow me this way. And in those valley moments, I want to know his voice so clearly that when I'm in those wars and the bullets are flying over my head and I'm going, Lord, I am scared. I don't know what's going to go on. I want it in the midst of a million voices in our world that's yelling, I only want to hear his. So I train myself, Lord, let me hear you and drown out everything else. Because if I hear your voice and I have the courage to follow it, I'll live. I'll live. And I'm not just talking, hey, listen, I want to get my years in here the best I can. But I'm telling you, I can't wait for glory. And I can't wait to be there with all of you. I'm going to introduce you to some crazy people in my family, too. Wait till you see that. This weekend, Rob talked a lot at the marriage conference about Psalm 23. So, Rob, I had already prepared my sermon, and I was ending it with Psalm 23. And God does a lot of cool stuff. David writes this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, sometimes I think God goes, Eric, you just got to calm down. Take a breath. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He recharges, he recalibrates, he refreshes. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Why? Because he doesn't want the evil one to laugh and say, hey, listen, I thought you loved Sagul. Look at how mess he is. Nope. It's not how he works. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And here's a guy who had the mountaintop experiences. Hey, when that Goliath screamed out and defied the armies of the living God, what did David say? I'm going to cut your head off. And he stormed down in that valley and he fought Goliath. But guess what? It wasn't long later that people were hunting him. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Isn't it beautiful? In the presence of evil, 
This demon-possessed boy comes before the Lord, and the Lord says, hey guys, I just want you to know, that spirit in you has no authority over anything against my word. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And in I love this ending. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. When? Forever. Forever. You know what's the number one thing people like to hear? Is their name. Study after study will say that when people walk into a room, the number one thing they like to hear is their name. Do you know that when you get to heaven, they know your name. They have a place for you. It's prepared for you. You know that cool feeling when you walk into a big wedding or something like that, and you're a little like, oh, who am I going to sit with, and who's going to be at my table? But then I always like when I come to a place and goes, ah, look at that. Mr. and Mrs. Eric Segula. <laughs> Aren't we fancy? Let's sit down. Can I get some cheese, please? You have a name in God's book if you're his child. But you know, many Christians float around today and they expect no valleys. But the valleys are coming. They're out there. I interviewed Bethany Hamilton one time. Bethany Hamilton was the professional surfer who lost her arm in a shark attack. And she said, you know, one of the things about surfing is you got to be patient. She said, I'll sit out there and people will say there's no waves. She said, but I always sit out there and go, no, there are waves. We just haven't seen them yet. So you just got to wait. And so you're patient and you wait. Struggles will come. Hardships will come. Are you prepared? Are you ready for them? But I want to do this today. I want to give another invitation for anyone who would like to receive Jesus Christ. And I want to do it because of this. You know, that father cried out, I do believe, but help my unbelief. You have questions. So do I. I have a lot of questions. But my faith tells me that he's got some great answers. And someday, right now, my knowledge is incomplete. But someday, I will be whole. And how glorious will that be? But right now, there's a lot of people who are saying, but I have questions. But God's laid in your heart to have faith in him and to work through these things. And yet some of us keep running. We're running from the Lord and he's trying to do something. He's bringing you here. He's talking to your heart. He's poking at you. And he's asking you, saying, are you ready? Are you prepared? See, the thing of it is, when I get to heaven... And I see Jesus, and I stand before him. Maybe that'll be the first time that I see him, but I want to say, you know what? I know your voice. I could pick that out of anywhere. Because we have a relationship. Do you have a relationship? Are you prepared to meet him?
Do you want to live life with him? I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. Rob's going to come up and lead us in a song. But I'm going to say the simple prayer that I said last week. And one man responded. Because he said, God's tugging at my heart. Maybe there's someone else. But I want to pray for us. I'm going to say a simple prayer. I'm going to ask people, hey, listen. Do you admit that you're a sinner? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for you? And in C, are you ready to commit? Because at some point, Jesus is saying, listen, come follow me. Are you coming or not? And just by the fact you're here, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus might be saying, hey, you're here for a reason. You're hearing this message for a reason. So I'm going to pray for us. You can pray silently in your heart. And you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, I remember saying to somebody one time, I said, you know what, I believe there's a Savior. And he turned to me and said, Eric, you're right, is he yours? I never really thought of it that way. Dearly Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, in so many ways, I can, I can identify with that man. And Lord, in so many ways, we live our life and we try and fix ourselves from the outside in. But the end result is, is it's been said a million times, there's a God-shaped vacuum in each one of us and it can only be filled by you. And Lord, life is only fulfilled with you. And heaven is only guaranteed. So, Lord, I just pray if there's anyone here today that they would admit that they have sinned, that they would believe in Jesus Christ and they would commit their life to you. Lord, it says in Revelation, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Lord, you can push the door over, but that's not unconditional what you want us to choose you. died on the cross for every one of us in this room. Lord, give us the courage to choose. We admit that we sin. We believe in Jesus Christ and we commit our life to you. Lord, because I believe in my life, I can sense the times you have been with me in the mountaintops. Lord, when I'm in those valleys, you were there. When death came upon horrible situations in my life, you were there. When I was sick and in an MRI tube, you were there. Or when I was sad, you were there. When I was broken, you were there. Lord, thank you for being God of the mountaintop, God of the valley. says in the Bible that if this is us, that we should stand and profess. And before we all worship, I just want to give the invitation. If there's anyone here who said that prayer, you will never find an easier place to stand than here. Because you're surrounded by people who love the Lord and care. And I'm telling you, if God has been tugging at your heart, if God is saying, hey, listen, I know you admit that you've sinned, I know you believe in me, but you 
that question. But maybe today is the day where you're going, you know what? My faith in Him has outweighed my questions. And I'm going to tell you, if no one stands, that's okay, because I told you last week, that's God's business. I'm just here to speak. But if that's you today, stand up. I'll read the file with Rob Let's stand up today.